Welcome in, everybody, to Studio 2. Hello. I'm Avi Wolfman. And I'm Cherry Gregg. We ought to call Avi the Potster. The Potster. That's, that's going to be Avi the Potster. I've never had a nickname. Wolfman Aaron. Okay. Yes, because Avi on Monday decided he wanted to entertain himself. So he sent out bored. a tweet yeah. that asked folks, What's your most unpopular Philadelphia opinion? And the thing went viral. He has a whole Reddit thread with all kind hundreds and hundreds of comments. A long thread on X and people brought it. They were bold. They were punishing. <laughs> it was funny. And we're going to talk job. about it today. Yeah. Good job, Avi. So here's what we did. One of our longtime listeners, one of our favorites, Shirley. Shirley C. Hey, Shirley Cheryl. Said, uh, you guys should do a radio segment on this. And that's what we're going to do. We got a panel of esteemed Philadelphians mm-hmm. who are going to uh, sort of mull some of these hot takes about Philadelphia, these unpopular opinions. And From I think. Food to culture to landmarks. Movies. And I think we're also going to get at some deeper truths about yeah. what it means to be a Philadelphian. Yeah, the I think psyche we're going to get of there. A Philadelphian. Yeah. I think we're going to get there. So and that's the main segment today, some experimental radio for you. And if you want to participate, email studio2 at whyy.org. Disclaimer. At the top of the show. Yeah, our phones are down right now. Our phones are down right now. Hey, we wanted it you happens. to call in. Yeah. We wanted you to call in. It's not going to happen today, um, but we'll talk to you on Tuesday, I'm sure. And today yeah. we're going to go with the email, studio2 at whyy.org. And we're also talking about toxic turf, PFAS and its connection to cancer with Philadelphia Inquirer investigative reporter David Gambacorda, who is here in studio with us. And some great reporting there. Some alarming reporting in yeah. some ways, and we're going to do a bit of a deep dive today. Yeah, and, and if you don't know about this, we're talking about the artificial turf that covers many professional and rec league surfaces uh, yeah, and across kids, the country. Kids play soccer. They yeah. play year-round soccer. And on, the question is, there, is there is there a connection to cancer? Um, so we're going to talk about that later in this segment. First, Cherry, as always, a few news headlines. And you just mentioned the Inquirer. Let's keep it in-house mm-hmm. with the Inky. Um, they reported last week that Philadelphia Mayor Sherelle Parker wants city employees to return to the office in person Monday Monday through through Friday. Friday. Mm. Um, And now they have a follow-up story today saying that this move could demolish morale, according to the union leaders who represent these city workers and many city workers who are not union leaders, agree with this sentiment. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting back-to-work conversation, Sherry, because Mm -hmm. there are very few businesses, organizations that have a real vested interest in people returning to work outside of their own productivity. But in this case, the folks who run City Hall, they want people to come back downtown to revitalize Center City. And so the the average business is just looking at their bottom line, but City Hall has to think a little bit more broadly. Yeah, and the mayor said, you know, Philadelphia can only truly say we are, quote, open for business when all of our workers are back in the office. And the mayor says she wants workers to be more visible and accessible because a lot of people say city services, they're not operating. You know, pe- when they call the city, no one responds. It's hard to get mm. people to come out. So she's like, oh, that no. That wasn't true before? I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. but she's saying mm-hmm. you need to be in the office. And if people call, you need to answer the phone. Right. And and she wants everybody in her in her administration to look like they're up and ready. I get now, it. I, I get, get it. it. But, 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 you know, people have gotten used to this hybrid situation. I like an occasional work from home mm-hmm. day. Who doesn't like it? And people are complaining already and saying that they're job shopping. And now LinkedIn has targets. Yep. They know if yep. you work at the city of Philadelphia, 
you could probably be poached by another company. Or maybe another city government. Oh, even. oh yeah. Don't, I guess. I, I guess. Philly, stay. <laughs> I guess what I would. I guess what I would say, right, is that I, I understand the goal mm. from the mayor's perspective, but there's a reality to reckon with here, which is that many of these people, like you said, can shop for jobs, and in in sort of the post-pandemic labor market, it's really hard to retain people. Mm-hmm. Really and they to, do have a, really quite hard, a few vacancies. Yeah. It's really hard to find people. Mm-hmm. And every time you layer a challenge upon that, it gets a little bit harder. And mm. I, I'm curious if they can pull this off. Well, uh, you know, policies change after a few months in office. So it, it, we'll it's going to be it a fascinating experiment. Mm-hmm. We'll see if they stick with it. And so we're moving on. The CDC issued a warning about a substance that is causing dangerous side effects. It's nicknamed Gas station heroin. I had never heard of this, but this is a real thing. Mm. It's a substance. It's called Tia Neptine. It's a mm. sedative which is sold in products that you can purchase in gas stations. One brand is called Neptune's Fixed, and it's purchased as an elixir with flavors ranging from cherry to lemon and chocolate. Other brands include Zaza and like Pegasus Silver. So some say it can be used to address anxiety and chronic pain. But the, the sedative effects, they mimic opioid use. So many hmm. people see it as a safer alternative to opioid medication. But the FDA recently issued a report showing that these products have some serious health, health risks. When you ingest it, you could become confused, nauseated. Your blood pressure could rise, right? You could have seizures. Some people have lost consciousness wow. and even died. Death has been linked to this substance. So, And it's used in other countries to, to treat you know, like as an antidepressant, but, you know, it can be dangerous. I'm going to have to read more about this, Chair. I'll be honest. We have a story up right now at Mm WHYY.org, and this was my introduction to the topic. You know, one of the harsh realities uh, of the last, I mean, maybe 50 years of trying to address the nation's, you know, addiction problems is that there always seems to be something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we have no idea if this is going to rise to the level of alarm that other substances have caused. You know, this is, again, new to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just makes me think about the fact that it does seem like every couple of years. Something else. There's a new, like, branch on this tree. And, mm-hmm. and you just wonder if you can ever truly get your arms around the problem. And the interesting thing about this, it is not FDA approved, but instead it's considered to be a dietary supplement. And we, we talked even talked about, about that. that on the yeah. show. Yeah. They're widely available. Most people think that they're safe. Um, but you don't know what the side effects are going to be. Um, so tox- toxicologists say that, yes, it's easily accessible, but that the accessibility doesn't mean safety. Right. So right. we've talked about that. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's a lightly regulated mm-hmm. market. Yep. Um, I'm going to move on now to something far lighter, mm-hmm. something I think folks will enjoy. Um, Inquirer columnist Stephanie Farr, I have to give her credit, had a genius idea. Mm-hmm. She looked at all of the vanity license plates in the state of Pennsylvania that have been rejected over the years, more than oh. 2,800 rejected plates. Um, and of course, you can find some great humor in these rejected plates. Very so Philly, too. I, I should, I, well, it's all Pennsylvania, some, some, though. Some Philly ones thrown in there, but yeah, it's right. very Pennsylvania. It's very Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Let's not, let's not uh, shut out our friends in Western That's PA. They can true. also have naughty ideas for license plates. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a bunch of reasons why a vanity plate can be rejected. And you can find there's a list of 16, actually, on PennDOT's website. But basically, it boils down to don't offend people. 
And if they think you're going to offend people, they're going to reject it. Mm-hmm. So some of the rejected plates, Cherry, include creative attempts to curse, like mm. LFG fills. That and I didn't even know what LFG was until <laughs> you explained it to me. Let's blank and go. Um, mm. One, Another one that's rejected, Delco AF. I kind of like that. The F, in that case, stands for the same word that I just referenced. Mm -hmm. Um, You also can't attempt to pass yourself off as a government official. So, for instance, gov-pa, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You can't just put judge. Like, you can't, your license plate can't just say judge. I can't just say president? You can't just say president. On the back, okay. Um, Some of these are... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Um... You're the president of Studio Two, by the way. Just, just I'll give you that title. I'm the co-presidents. VP. We're co-presidents. I'm VP. Um, there are some that are not like cursing, but they just they feel wrong. Mm-hmm. So this is a weird one. Someone tried to get the license plate. Hate kids. H eight, by the way. Kids. Um, mob boss. Uh, not really offensive, but I guess. Or the- I'm high. So someone did. But I'm you could high. be high on life. But this is interesting. They did not try to get I'm high. They tried to get I'm oh, high spelled backwards, backwards and PennDOT caught it. They're pretty perceptive, I have to say. Oh. Um, and then there were some, Cherry, that it's sort of baffling. We don't understand why they were rejected. For mm-hmm. instance, Gandalf. Gandalf was rejected. Passing yourself off as a wizard, I guess, is is improper. Also, Chowda with the New England accent. Maybe just to New England for PennDOT? I'm not sure, but that was also... Read the whole (laughs) column, Stephanie Farr and the Inquirer. It is pretty darn entertaining. Yes. And uh, by the way, have you ever had a vanity plate? I've never had one, no. No desire? But my one of my best friends, she has New Yorker for Life, of course, abbreviated, uh, but that she has that on her plates. Well, we might get that yeah. into the New Yorkers and, and the relationship From her first car to now, New Yorker for Life, okay? <laughs> we might get into the relationship we're talk about that. Yeah. between Philly and New York in our next segment. But first, Jerry, let's, dig let's in. get to our newsmaker. There are roughly 13,000 artificial turf sports fields across the country. From pro sports franchises on down to rec leagues, many install these surfaces to cut down on maintenance. But this technology comes with question marks. Turf fields contain potentially toxic microplastics known as PFAS. The Inquirer has been investigating the link between toxic turf and cancer, speaking with experts, researchers, and cancer patients. A recent article highlighted the impact on young athletes. And here to explain is Inquirer investigative reporter David Gamacorda. David, welcome to Studio Two. Thank you for having me, guys. We alluded to it in the intro, David, but explain why have we seen this proliferation of turf fields across the country? Well, you'd have to go back uh, to the really to the late 1960s. Um, the product was was pioneered by the Monsanto Chemical Company, mm. and the pitch that they made pretty successfully for decades was that turf would be a cheaper and more durable alternative to natural grass. Don't have to water it. Right. You know, you can have it outside. It could be exposed to the elements and more safe play places for kids, essentially. Um, and and I think that pitch resonates, especially when you're talking about schools and municipalities that have budgets, right? Yep. And it's, we could lay this down in a, in a short amount of time and it looks great and it doesn't really have to be maintained that much. So... Um, you know, it seemed like kind of a win-win. Hmm. And so what exactly goes into making this turf? So, because I've never really thought about it. It looks nice. It looks sure. cool. It's bright green and whatever colors. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the, the the product itself, I think, has, has evolved over the years. And mm-hmm. at one point we had put together a, a graphic that would 
sort of showed the evolution of it. Um, initially, it was was very brittle, very thin. Um, at stadiums like uh, Veterans Stadium in, in Philly, you know, you had a, a very thin layer of of this fake grass, a very thin layer of of padding underneath, and then asphalt. <laughs> yeah, um, it know. almost looked like a modified concrete. Right, yeah. right, which is yeah. why you know players for decades complained about getting injured on it. Yeah. Um, so over the years, I, I think companies have tried to make it look um, more grass-like and mm-hmm. have more cushioning. At a certain point, they started adding uh, materials like recycled tire crumb rubber, which is literally, mm-hmm. literally, you know, old tires that are cut up into little beads and put in the turf to make it more cushioned. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is those little pieces um, have chemicals like arsenic and benzene, which are linked to cancer. Um, so some fields still have that mm-hmm. some manufacturers have tried to substitute with uh products like cork that are more natural um but you know over the last year and some change that that we've been working on this we've consistently had scientists and toxicologists say to us there are so many different chemicals present in these fields um it just seems like a a, a risk especially for young children to be on it for hours and hours and, and days. And rolling, and sometimes with right. they, they're rolling around, especially depending on the sport, right. their skin is exposed, could be touching the yeah. surfaces. Yeah, yeah. one of the other things that we had found um, was that the, the product itself really traps heat, especially if it's out in the sun. Um, you know, we have pictures from Veterans Stadium of thermometers showing the on-field temperatures being 165 degrees, mm. Mm. Oh um, which obviously would be unpleasant to play on the concern with it is that those sorts of extreme temperatures would cause the the chemicals in the product to kind of release. It's called off-gassing. And so, you know, you could be inhaling that that mix mm-hmm. of chemicals. Um, and this is an area that, you know, some, some scientists have identified as, you know, another reason to be concerned. So at this point, the link between these surfaces... And incidences of cancer is is known, is speculative, is likely. How would you categorize the link at this point? You know, I think the the research on it is still evolving. Um, there was a study in in Egypt last year where scientists uh, concluded there was a potential cancer risk for kids between the ages of three and fifteen mm-hmm. due to the what they describe as volatile uh, compounds that could be you know breathed in. Um, I guess we're only five years, 2019 was five years ago, I think, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so we're only five years removed from from scientists learning that another chemical that's found in turf is, is PFAS, which a lot of people have heard forever chemicals. Um, unfortunately, they're in our water supply. They're used in a range of everyday products from, you know, rain jackets to uh, food packaging. Um and, and that's another area of concern because that's a class of about 12,000 chemicals, um, you know, most of which haven't been regulated. Um, we do know that the city just two years ago sued um, DuPont and several other chemical companies because PFAS is in our water supply. Um, the EPA is now seeking to enforce hard limits on, on how much of these chemicals can be in our water supply. Um, they used the phrase last year of wanting to save thousands of lives. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, you're talking about an agency that's not really given to hyperbole. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet they're 
being very serious. They're raising um, the alarm here. Yeah. 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 So um, I, I think it's there's not been a definitive study that's come down and said absolutely. You know, we've looked at this and these this field definitely caused this person's cancer. That hasn't happened. Um, but there is uh, a lot more studying being done now. So, And I thought we have a local person, Mike Herman, his daughter, mm, Skyler, um, died of yeah. cancer. There's a coach who had a list of yeah. more than almost 300 players, soccer, soccer athletes or different youth athletes that had caught some form of cancer. Um, it, this is sort of like a pylon of anecdotal evidence. Mm. So what has been the reluctance of sort of making and, and making that link? Mm. Well, you know, I think what you we've seen in the last few years is it's starting to happen on a smaller local level. Um, so some some towns in Massachusetts and California have called for like a moratorium outright and say we're not we're not putting these fields in anymore. Um, it's it's a huge industry, you know. It's a multi-billion-dollar industry, so they're not going to tomorrow say, "Okay, we're done." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the turf companies are saying they're using different. You know, the product has changed, and it's it's safe for now. Um, but there's there's still a lot I think that scientists are learning about it. Um, and again, I think you go back to just the the practical side of the issue. You know, for for schools and and cities that just are looking for a quick and easy way to and, and that takes us to Philadelphia, South Philadelphia. There is this debate over, you know, some renovations at a at a play field in FDR Park, I believe. Sure. And can you summarize that debate cuz this there there's the argument that there shouldn't be turf fields, but that was the plan. To right. Put turf fields in this park. Right. And we only have a couple more minutes sure, before we Sure. Sure. So FDR is in the middle of a, a 250 million dollar Redesign, um, and the city is seeking to put in a dozen new turf fields as part of that project. Um, they've assured us that they'll use PFAS-free turf, but um, mm. our understanding from the turf industry is that product it doesn't does exist. Does not exist yet. Mm-hmm. So, but they're moving forward at this point. Yeah, they yeah. plan. Interesting. Yeah. That's David Gambacorda, investigative reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer, talking about the link between artificial turf fields and cancer, a link that he and his colleagues have been studying now for about a year. Thank you so much for joining us today on Studio Two, and keep us abreast of your workplace. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And coming up, we're debating unpopular Philadelphia opinions, everything from soft pretzels to tasty cakes to the Liberty Bell and the top of City Hall. There's a lot. There is a lot. And, and David, did you have one? No, it's okay if you don't. <laughs> I've got one. All right, we'll Share get it, it off, off mic. Off mic, we're going to get David's. On mic, we're going to get a lot of yours. Coming up next on Studio <laughs> Two. Welcome on back to Studio Two. I'm Cherry Gregg. I'm Avi Wolf Van Arendt. I don't think we had any anti-boys to men. No, takes. no, no one had anything bad to say okay, about good, them. Good. On Monday, though, I was a little bored, and so I uh, took to the site formerly known as Twitter, and I posted a very simple question, mm-hmm. Cherry. What's your most unpopular Philly opinion? Folks were not shy. Over a thousand comments poured in on Twitter and then Reddit, and now that brings us here. We're going to talk about all of it. Avi, my friend, you stirred the pot (laughs) with a capital P-O-T. And I'll admit, some of these opinions are funny or frivolous, but some cut to the core of what it means to be a Philadelphian. And some just had us scratching our heads, and we've brought in an expert panel 
of Philadelphians to ponder all of this with us. Let me introduce them. Yes. Here today with us, we have Dave Davies, former WHYY political reporter and Fresh Air contributor. Dave, thanks for being with us. Yeah, today, I got opinions. Good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Vitas is a founder of Enact Strategies and author of the Broad and Market newsletter. Lauren, welcome back to Studio Two. Always great to be here. And Solomon Jones is a Philadelphia Inquirer columnist and WURD radio host. Solomon, welcome back. To Thank you too. so much. Guys, can I just say, first of all, thanks for doing this because <laughs> you're putting yourself out there. We know that. Um, and we want to hear from our audience as well. Mm-hmm. Your unpopular Philly takes. Email studio2 at WHYY.org if you dare. And leave your name. Yeah, Don't be anonymous. And thank you to everybody who's already sent them <laughs> in or replied to Avi's post. Um, so, guys, we've we've grouped mm-hmm. some of these into different categories, um, and so we're going to like kind of go through thematically some of these unpopular Philadelphia opinions, and just just jump in, sound off, chime in whenever you want. And I think Cherry, we're going to start with some unpopular Philly food opinions. Yes. Um, let me see. Uh, one that I really like. They said roast pork, not cheese steak, should be the official sandwich of the city. That was Glenn Macnow. I agree with that. I'm throwing that out there to you guys. Wow. Solomon, come on. Yeah, a lot of people over... don't no, a lot of people don't even eat roast pork because of religious reasons. Ah, uh, interesting. So so that knocks it out already. Well chicken as, cutlet then? No, I think it should be cheese steaks, but but I'm I have an unpopular opinion of my own. Wait, wait, oh, okay, throw it so out there. Go ahead. Right? Cheese steaks with whiz are an abomination. Oh, someone, can someone, I read one? Yes, can I read please one? do that. <laughs> can I read one for you? So yes. this is, this is <laughs> even stronger. Like, Cheese Whiz is disgusting artificial slop used and promoted as authentic by tourist trap steak shops to maximize profit margins. Cooper Sharp or Bust. That's right. Says Ian. You agree with that? I, I well, I like American. Oh, you I can American? remember mm-hmm. when you didn't put Cheese Whiz on cheesesteaks. Dave, I think uh, you probably remember that too. There yeah, was I, well, no cheese whiz. That's such a Pat's thing, isn't it? Pat's Steaks does, does the cheese no, everybody whiz. Does everybody does it now. Does now. You know? Everyone it's does now. It's not good. No, it's not. I um, think God I mean, is not pleased. No, I, I'll, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. No, the good cheesesteaks don't. I, I think the person with the actual, the, the worst uh, cheesesteak take is actually not a Philadelphia, and it was John Kerry when he tried to get Swiss cheese oh, on his oh, cheesesteak oh, during the campaign. Yes. Dave, yes. do you remember that? I don't just remember. I'm the one that was responsible for that. No. Oh, it was 2004. John Kerry was the Democratic candidate for president. He was m- making the rounds, and I was there at the at, at Pat's Steaks, and he went up to a window and ordered a sandwich. He was never terribly comfortable with people. I had the idea to go ask the server, what did he order? And they said, yeah, Swiss cheese. <laughs> oh. <wrote> it down. <laughs> yeah, that was me. No, that was me. Now. You responsible for the second oh, Bush term? Is that what you're talking about? It ended up in a, as a piece in the Washington Post and became part of this narrative that John he Kerry was this... It was, it was the Swiss boat. Was yeah, Swiss I mean, boat. He was like uh, this windsurfing elitist guy who didn't know how to order a working man wow. sandwich. Is he even American? Well, uh, that's no, the question. Well, like, not American what? cheese. No. That's for sure. do you have to, does that make you more Philly if you like Wiz or you like yeah. the... I mean, or can you... Because I like sharp provolone. I'm, I mean, I'm a pro mean? girl, too. Pro Thank girl. you. It's the best. Can we move on to another? Yes. Uh, okay, so I want to cue this up with a, a clip from a brand that you will recognize. Let's hear this clip, number three. Wait, Wawa has pizza? <gasps> and it's made fresh. Wawa has pizza? 
It tastes great. And it's made fresh. Whoa. Lala has pizza? And, <laughs> and it, it tastes keeps going. great. It keeps going. All right. So here's the take, though, from Kevin. In a metro area with phenomenal mom-and-pop hoagie shops in every neighborhood and town, eating Wawa hoagies is food malpractice. Can you get on board with that, Lauren? Uh, I can because I think I think the quality has declined. I remember the Wawa days where there were no touch screens. You had a little lady in a hairnet writing down your order with a golf pencil, and they freshly sliced your, your meats and cheeses, and... I think they went for quantity of hoagie Ooh. over quality of hoagie. Uh, and I say this is someone who will go to the mattresses in the Wawa Sheets battle. Uh, but it, it truly, it, the, the quality has severely declined over the years. And you know what, Lauren? I would, I would piggyback on that because the issue is you have a sodium warning now. <laughs> when you go in there, you can't even, yeah. you know yeah. it's not fresh. Right. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, will anyone defend Wawa hoagies here? Well, I, I won't defend Wawa <laughs> hoagies, but I think what it's interesting is that when they went to mass production, you're yeah. going to lose some quality. But they're mm-hmm. brilliant marketers, and yeah. there's always something fun there. When you go to the checkout, there's that hot tray that's got the jalapeno cheese pretzel bites and, yeah. the, you know, it's always the something. buffalo chicken nuggets. And I think, yeah, yeah but, but I, yeah. I used to make Wawa makes, hoagies. Wait, what does that mean? Oh, boy. Did right? you work with, for Wawa? I, I did. I worked at a Wawa, the one at Ninth and Walnut. So you have insider oh. takes yeah. on it. Yeah, and so... Is it we, still there? there? It's still there. Huh. There were no touch screens. Um, it was it was an awful job because I had to go in a freezer and stock sodas and then come back out and make hoagies. And But, you know, the, the meat was fresh. Uh, the cheese was fresh. The hoagies were actually better than they are now. Wow. Interesting. Um, and you didn't have shorties and then ultra shorties and then, mm-hmm. you know, really <laughs> shorties. And you didn't have that. You just had a whole hoagie. And um, the, the hoagies were much better then than, than they are now. To my shame, um, I have probably eaten a Wawa shorty within the last two weeks. Oh, okay. don't be so, ashamed of that. Me I don't too. Think you have to be ashamed. Me too. Yeah, I've, I've done it. Every so. once in it's a while, convenient. It's one. reliable. You do it. That's right. Can we do another food one? Yes. This is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. This is from Street Beats. Yeah. Tasty cakes are neither tasty nor cakes. Mm. Oh, that is so true. True? Hard hard disagree. Okay, okay. Let me, so I'm going to get the defender first. And then, and then Solomon. Lauren, Lauren, (laughs) defend Tasty Cakes, a Philadelphia tradition. I mean, I, you know, I I think part of, part of our love affair with a lot of these things probably stems from nostalgia. You know, as a kid, I remember opening the brown paper bag, getting the butterscotch crimpets where you had to do the thing where you really had to rub it on your desk to make sure that the (laughs) icing didn't stick to the rapper. Um, but I think, again, it's just accessibility, it's consistency, it screams Philadelphia. And I actually think, you know, are they as good as homemade? No, but I'd take a tasty cake any day over, you know, some some cookie that was baked 12, hour, 12 hours ago that's like sitting on a railing getting stale. So. Okay, but it used to be, they used to be made at a factory up on Hunting Park Avenue. They yes, are, they now, did. aren't they owned by General Foods or somebody? Yeah, made? They're not, mm. I believe, yeah, the, 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 mass the headquarters are certainly down. not here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Solomon. So my wife actually <laughs> brought up this point this morning, so I, I have to give her credit for this. Um, she said you should replace the T with an N and call them nasty, nasty cakes. Oh, that's, wow. that's what she said. I mean, she really, like, does that's not. A, like, that's an unpopular take right there. But I, you know why? Right there, why? Because when we were kids, they were made on Hunting Park Avenue, and they were fresh. The, the, the icing was actually icing. Now it's, like, hard, and they're kind of chalky, and they just don't 
taste like they used to taste. So the the Tasty Cake lost something when it started being mass produced and owned. I think we're seeing a theme here. Yeah, when it when it leaves just Philly. It You're, loses No something. one's ever allowed to leave Philadelphia. <laughs> and I w- can I read an email, though, from Harold going back to that, that theme and something we said earlier? Harold agrees with a lot of the panel. My mm-hmm. wife and I have lived here for 12 and a half years, and we still don't understand the love affair with Wawa. Mm. Wawa, yeah. taking some arrows today. Yeah, taking the arrows. And by the way, my I have to shout out all my family. They love Wawa. So. Yeah. Well, and, and they're in Maryland. They're, they were so happy when a Wawa opened. They're <laughs> expanding to, to yeah. the southeast and yeah. much of America. I think so. they've also, like, they've switched their focus on, you know, I grew up around the corner from, like, one of the tiny little brown squat Wawa's yes. with, like, the yes. little pitch roof. And now, you know, it's, like, a Wawa with, like, 47 gas pumps. And it's mm-hmm. become more of a mega store and, and type. picnic tables outside yeah, yeah. yeah. and by the way and we pizza and, and pizza and um just because uh yesterday i went to the state of the tourism industry uh announcement um and this landmark is one of the most visited places in the city of philadelphia but a lot of philadelphians take issue um i want to play a clip of from rocky go ahead most of all thank god Except for my kid being born. <laughs> it's the greatest night in the history of my life. I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! I mean, come on. Is I, goosebumps. I have goosebumps. Who but a lot of people don't love Rocky. A lot of people Let's don't get love Rocky. And one is no more, not Matt says, no more Rocky references. Take down the statue. Stop trying to make a 50-year-old movie part of city culture. Yeah. Try and, and there were a number of people who agree with not Matt. It's like being like, try to stop making the Liberty Bell a thing, please. Some, some people, some people said don't like that. their Liberty Bell. They said, why oh stand in line? Can we talk about Rocky? Can we talk about Rocky? It's a bell and glass. Come on. Can we talk about Rocky and its place in sort of like, it, I don't think it's that people necessarily dislike the movie. I think it's that they're tired of it being standing for everything. Philadelphia to the world like being the real is Philly our, people do not go over there to the statue to the statue mean, they don't yeah well, yeah I mean that but also just the idea that like the Rocky has come to define what Philly is to the outside world and your take on this I remember when the Joe Frazier it was so hard to get a Joe Frazier ta- uh, statue who is a Philadelphian and mm. a real boxer and, and a winning boxer world champion yeah and yet they have a fake boxer sitting up there Solid. so and that is why yeah <laughs> That Joe Frazier, he actually did all of the things that Sylvester Stallone pretended to do. <laughs> right, right. Right. And so that is why, and I'm going to give a, a Philadelphia reference, Trading Places. Yeah. That's mm. why Joe Frazier and Sylvester Stallone's statue need to be Trading Places. Mm. Joe Frazier's statue should be mm. at the foot of those steps because he actually ran up the steps Sylvester Stallone pretended to. Mm. But can we, so that... I'm like, I got to think Silence. about this. Silence. Drop the mic. <laughs> Silence. No, that's a really fair point. I, I do yeah. think, though, I, I wonder how people feel about the movie itself. Let's talk about the it was original good. movie. It's a good it movie. Good. It's, it's a good it's movie. Yeah. I mean, I think there's very few characters that cap- ca- capture the symbolism that I think Philly exudes, which is this, this grit, this underdog mentality. Right. So I don't necessarily think it's like, oh, this movie, this guy... It's it is what Rocky sort of symbolizes to I think a lot of folks this 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 
average guy that's pulled off the street that achieves heights against all odds. I think a lot of Philadelphians really relate to that sort of like working class story where hard work, grit, Mm. and you can achieve great things. So I I don't necessarily... I the think I agree with the Joe Frazier needs to have his place, you know, put him at the top of the steps. I'm all for it. I don't think it has to be an either or. But I you're think not bagging on yes Rock. End. No, no. You like Dave, Rock. did you like, did you like the movie? Oh, I loved it. I mean, yeah. I was relatively new to Philadelphia when it came out. But, you know, it's, you know, this row house palooka that does these amazing things. And the the film was <laughs> so house full palooka. of. I like that. So full of these Philly sites, you know, running down the Italian the market, market and along mm. Delaware Avenue and up to the Art Museum. And yeah. I think it, yeah, I think but it was also great. At a, at a time when the city was really down in a lot of ways, right? I mean, I think the time, doesn't timing matter here? Yeah, I think it was a time when the city was really struggling, didn't have a great national reputation. Rizzo was mayor then, right? I yeah. mean, it was in the 70s. Um, they weren't weren't the brightest days, kind of in the city's national image, and I'm not sure how much of it, it is. It really is thought of, of by people outside Philadelphia. Really, as being, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm from Texas. I visit there often. Nobody ever mentions Rocky. Oh, interesting. I, I just have to add too. There's nothing more Philadelphia than Rocky not winning in the first movie. That's mm. true. So. That's true. Although he has his day eventually. And, and by the way, yeah. uh, email from George who says the art museum isn't all that. <laughs> like, oh. Whoa, 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 George. whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, like, well, maybe we should address that. The uh, art museum isn't all that. People were like going in on, on Philly, like landmarks. Mm. You okay. know, it's a beautiful setting at the main, if you, for concerts for 4th of July. That's got some nice art in it, too. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. Shout out to Julian A. Bell, the brother yeah. who designed the art museum yes. and the free library. <laughs> 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 Oh, yeah, y'all got to bring in the brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Got to do that. I didn't know that, yes. Solomon. Got yeah. it. I mean, that's this true. is a yeah. gorgeous building. He lived on the 1500 block of Christian Street. So we're unanimous. We like the art museum. Well, this, yes. we said unpopular opinion. No, and it was and a, it's very, very unpopular. unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to uh, stick with another um, pop culture reference mm-hmm. now. And uh, I'm going to play. No, actually, I'm going to save that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to music now. Mm-hmm. I actually think this is unpopular. This is from DJ007. Will Smith is actually a good rapper. Now, because I know DJ007. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gonna go with him. Yeah. You agree. Because I feel like yeah. in sort of the hip the Philly hip hop pantheon, he's almost like not mentioned. He doesn't he doesn't they, count they, in they some choose way. everybody but Will. Will had hits though. Will did have hits. Will had hits, and you don't have to be a good rapper to have hits. Let's let's just be clear. Facts, facts. Will Will had hits, and uh, so you know you got to respect him because of that. Yeah, and he wins at almost everything he does, except, except when the he Academy, Academy Awards. Awards. <laughs> 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 It is almost March oh, 6th. Well. Oh, boy. No, I, mean, I, I will, I mean, I'll defend him as an artist, like capital A artist. Yeah. You have a guy that, what, like, changed the industry as a teenager. Yep. Uh, what had a huge hit popular television show. Yeah. And then as an adult was able to break into film and was one of the biggest box office draws in the the 90s and 2000s. Like how many other rappers can say that they've had that list of accomplishments? And, And I heard someone say that Will Smith, he was one of the few black actors allowed to save the world. Yeah. Not just a city. Yeah. Not just the country. 
to but save the world. Save yeah. the world? In, the, in a movie. In a movie. Oh, yeah. in a movie. oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In black. a movie. Yeah. In black, yeah. In a movie. So, um, a black actor, should I say, so, no. to save the world. So I need an actual yeah. black person to save the world. We're getting a little uh, Will Smith here as, as we roll to the break. <laughs> After the break, I wanted to get into some stuff that's more psyche. like about Philly's psyche and culture. Kind of a little, a little deeper than our pop culture and our food stuff so stick with us and keep sending your unpopular philadelphia opinions to us at studio 2 at whyy.org you are listening to studio 2 on a thursday thanks for being with us Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Oh, yeah. We're in Philly now. Welcome back to Studio 2, everybody. I'm Avi Wolfman Aaron. And I'm Cherry Gregg. If you missed the prompt earlier, we asked for your most unpopular Philly opinions. And you can still send yours to Studio 2 at WHYY.org. To help us make sense of these takes, we have a panel of esteemed Philadelphians. Let me reintroduce our guests. We've got Dave Davies, former WHYY political reporter and fresh air contributor. Lauren Vitas, a founder of Enact Strategies and author of the Broad and Market Newsletter, and Solomon Jones, Philadelphia Inquirer columnist and WURD radio host. Thanks to all of you for being here. And if you want an example, for instance, of an unpopular Philly opinion, I don't, I don't share this one. Let's say you loved the Philadelphia flag, just adored it, thinks it's, think it's the perfect representation of the city. That might be an unpopular Philly mm. opinion. So that's, that's a nice way to prompt you if you want to send in yours. Um, but we want to talk a little bit more about like the 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 psyche and the culture and the reputation of the city. Mm -hmm. And I want to start with this one from Kevin. You know that there's this idea uh, uh, in Philly of no one likes us, we don't care. Kevin says that's a huge lie. We care deeply, which is why we constantly get into arguments defending Philadelphia with anyone who steps their toe over the line even a little bit. What do you think, Dave? Oh, I think Philadelphians are proud of the city. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I am when I go other places, and I love bringing people here and showing them things that they had no idea that we had. Um, yeah, there is a little bit of a kind of, you know, working-class defiance, particularly among the sports teams. But, yeah. but no, nah, I think, yeah, people, people, people care. care about this place. What do you think, Lauren? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just, it's a delusion. That it it we feels, yeah. yeah, it feels sort of like family where it's like you can talk as much stuff about your brother or sister, but the moment someone outside the family says a negative word, it is, it, you know, it's it's we, World War III. Yeah. Um, and so I think we're, we're very proud of our city and we're very defensive of our, of our city. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I fall on that boat for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I have a little different take. Okay. Uh, uh -oh. So, <laughs> you know, no one likes us. We don't care. It's not that we don't care that they don't like us. We want them to not like us because uh, we don't like them either. Uh, interesting. Ooh. Like Philadelphia has a chip on its shoulder 
uh, the size of City Hall. So we don't like New York. We think that they think they're better than us. We don't like D.C. because they're the capital and we used to be like we we, we don't like Ooh. them either. And yeah. so, you know, you don't like us good. We don't like you either. And hmm. so this is why the next take from Party Mom is I think most Philadelphians are not as tough as they want to seem. The whole city is filled with marshmallow hearts. Marshmallow hearts. And, and I've I, never heard and that And I'm throwing this out here as someone who used to cover community groups doing good. People will give you their the shirt off their back. They will give you a sandwich. It's so many nonprofits. Do you guys agree? We're the Philly, and I'm including myself ourselves in this. Yeah, we're softies. Yeah, I we think we're a loving city. city. We're a loving city. Mm-hmm. I think we're a loving city, and I think oh, you can be tough. And love, love can be love can be tough. Right. I, I love you enough to tell you that you're wrong right now. <laughs> right? I need to correct you. Right. So. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think there's something to that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think there's there's definitely an earnestness to to Philadelphians. And again, I think it goes back to the no one likes us. We don't care. It's this idea that we are all in this together. Um, and so I think people people are very generous uh, to to neighbors to you know it just it's it is that that feeling of community that I think is so deep rooted. Neighborhoods are proud, blocks are proud. Um, you know, you talk to somebody and from Philadelphia, and it's not like oh, where did you go to school? It's like what hospital were you born in? Like mm-hmm. there's this like granular nature of community mm-hmm. that I think is really hard to find in other places. Yeah, people like like people they know in the neighborhood. On the other hand, if you're driving on the Roosevelt Boulevard and you cut somebody off, you know, you're going to get some words. <laughs> so, there is still so, a little so, bit of attitude out there. So right that there. toughness can go hand in hand with the tough, you know, the toughness and the love can go hand in hand. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. This one is going to, I'm looking at Lauren because I think this one is going to intrigue you. This is from Joe Stefano. City leaders <clears throat> don't really want this place to grow nor do most of the folks who live here, or they wouldn't keep electing them. Mm-hmm. I think this idea that growth might be a dirty word to a lot of Philadelphians. Yeah, this is something I feel like we've probably talked about in the past. I always joke that Philadelphians love change as long as everything remains exactly the same. <laughs> and I think it's it's not that folks don't want growth. I think it's, I, I wouldn't frame it as a one, I would frame it as a discomfort. Um, I mm. think it's a fear of what happens I think people, you know, love the idea of new people coming into the city, except for what that means about the culture of those neighborhoods that they grew up in, Mm. Um, displacement, things like that. Uh, You know, I I think it's a fear-based response. It's not necessarily about wanting wanting change. It's, It's the fear of change. Well, you know, DeStefano's quote there was, Philadelphia's leaders don't really want growth. Yeah. And, and I, that, I would dispute that. I mean, I think a lot of the leaders really do want, you know, expansion and jobs. And just look at all of the, the development you see in Center City, but in beyond. There are department yeah. houses springing up everywhere. And, you know, in the 90s, Ed Rendell got the, and his team got that, you know, that work, that um, property tax abatement spurred a huge amount of growth in the city. Now, a lot of people are thinking twice about that now but but you're right in your in your neighborhood you don't want anything to you know hey where's the parking well, you know i mean you're and, that's and, and he, yeah, that, is, that is yeah. i think in every neighborhood probably in most cities well but know, i would because, contrast it a little bit like so i grew up in the dc area and dc is a place of constant churn and so there wasn't there wasn't always like a a feeling of this is how it always was and it has to stay this way. Not, not that it didn't exist at all, but I, but I wonder if it existed as, as much in D.C. as it mm-hmm. exists in Philly. People, 
feel very rooted here and I'm proud of their traditions. But people have lived in the same house. Their family has lived in the same house for generations. Yeah, yeah. And that happens a lot more. Yeah, if you live in a row house community through decades mm -hmm. of, you know, industrial decline, things can get kind of scary. And so you really want to cling to that little piece of turf mm. uh, yeah, that... And as and, long as you can. And just look what happened when Tasty Cake left Philadelphia yeah. when they changed the recipe. Yeah, right. Now they're nasty cakes. But here's here's the thing. Um, most people in Philadelphia aren't really engaged in politics, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's the thing that I think we skip over when we have this conversation. Uh, when Kenny was elected, I think it was, what, 27% of, of registered voters voted him in? Is that is that about right, Dave? Yep. I, you know, I don't remember the number right? of it. It's, Something it's, like it's, that. Yeah, it's always it's less than 30. We're, yeah. we're Shockingly not, small and continuing to decline. Exactly. Yeah. So most people in Philadelphia aren't even engaged in politics. It's not that they don't want anything to change. It's that they're more focused on trying to change things for themselves than waiting on somebody else to do it. Hmm. Wow. Got to ask you this question from uh, Real David Park, who says that what the mainstream considers real Philadelphia ignores most of the city. And Philly is way more black than we'd like to admit. Mm. And when you think about the tourism, when you think about the what the personality of the city, do you agree that some of that is just not the, the black part of Philadelphia is just kind of left out of what makes Philly Philly? Hmm. I, th I think that when you talk about Philadelphia, for instance, people talk about the Philadelphia accent. What is that? Because mm -hmm. I don't talk like the people on that show where they say they're from Delco. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so so what does that actually mean and what does it ignore? What does it leave out? I, I think that there's absolutely some some validity to that. But but again, I think that the people who have to live in Philadelphia every day mm -hmm. don't care what other people are, are thinking about their community, like what defines Philadelphia. I know what defines my community. We're very provincial um, and, and very um, insular in terms of the, the various neighborhoods around the city, right? And so people in North Philly don't care what tourists think about their neighborhood. They're trying to make it. And I think that's part of what makes Philly great. Mm. I do have to shout out someone, Just this is referenced to earlier, just wants to put this out there. Eagles fan 11 on Instagram. By the way, we're on Instagram live right now. Um, says, I love everything about Wawa and Tasty Cakes. <laughs> a little balance. A little balance. Good. I just want to get one more kind of funny one in there. This is from Jesse. I had never thought about this until Jesse said this. City Hall looks like a dollar store cake topper. <laughs> is, is that true? Is City Hall not all it's cracked up to be architecturally? Uh, I think it's gorgeous, as somebody but... who worked in that building for decades, I have boundless affection for that building. And if you haven't gone down and taken the tour, I don't mean go take the elevator up to the top of Billy Penn. That's kind of cool, too. But but get, get the official tour. It, there are these hidden stairwells and more than 200 statues of... You know, big leaders, but also like squirrels and. Oh you know, my and, goodness, Lord has a That's what I'm talking. I have a city hall tattoo, yeah. so I, love, I respectfully disagree with this opinion. Oh that said, uh, the that's gnarly. You know, the cake it. topper. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it does look a little bit like a wedding cake, doesn't it? It's it's From third far, French yeah. Empire style uh, of architecture. Yeah, yeah. people yeah. like to pose in front of it for their wedding. It is the largest freestanding masonry building in the world. There is no other way you can design it but for that to support all the weight. So Philadelphia City Hall is beautiful. It's a beautiful building, but but again, I think it's like a another example of Philadelphia corruption because it took you know. Yeah, to, 60 to years, whole, 30 whole years. A bunch of people 30, got paid right? a yeah. lot more than they should have uh, yeah. to build and, it. So, And by the way, I want to throw in two takes before we go to sports. Uh, 
the transplants are what make Philly great. Oh, that's boy. called the Philly oh, GOV. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that out there. The, also, Danielle says them Philly beards are trash. <laughs> Nobody wants to date a mountain man. I personally <laughs> love beards, but she said those Philly and uh, there's a lot of bearded people, including. <laughs> Awa, Avi was uh, my air right gotta, here. I don't have a but Philly beard. That's not the Philly beard. That's yeah, not the Philly, not the Philly beard. beard. But uh, I love them. But people have said they're trash. So I, I'm I putting that out nice look. I think it's a nice look. Um, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting look. <laughs> I, I think, you know, there's a lot of brothers with these beards, and I know what you're talking about. You talk about the long, kind of scraggly yeah, kind of beard. Yeah. You know, that's... I have a closely cropped goatee. You do. You, you have, have not opted. And so for that. do you. Okay. Yeah. So do you, Dave. Yeah, no. I, 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 the the big thing is more than I could. I, when I worked at the Philadelphia Daily News, we did a fe- feature on the Philly beard thing, and it got a ton of reaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it, both ways. People yeah. feel some kind of way. Uh, we do one sports one before we get you guys out of here. Mm-hmm. You've been amazing sports. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, this is from someone who goes by Baby Theranos. Um, a lot of Philly sports fans hate their teams and sports more than they love them. It can make watching sports with them miserable. We have just about 30, 45 seconds. Lauren, you disagree. I, I disagree. It's a it's it's a protection mechanism that we yes. use to manage yes. expectations because growing up a Philadelphia sports fan, the drought of nineteen eighty to yes. two thousand eight, you just disaster like disaster was inevitable. You you say bad things so when they come true you can kind of feel better. I think it's I think it's a protection mechanism. I think I think we love our teams far too deeply. Uh, <laughs> it's not I don't think we hate our teams. I think uh. we hate ourselves for loving our teams, <laughs> but that's a separate issue. Yeah. Uh. I, I think we do uh, protect ourselves. We've been through a whole lot of heartbreak. Um, yeah. I bet a dollar on the Eagles in 1980. I lost that dollar. The Eagles are the reason that I never developed a gambling problem. So I want to <laughs> well, thank the thank Eagles. You, thank you, Swoop. Uh, <laughs> thank, and thanks to you all for being here today, laying your reputations on the line and having some fun with us. Um, I want to thank our guests one more time, Dave Davies, Lord Vitas, Solomon Jones. Thank you all for being here. This was a ton of fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And, and, also, and I want to say thank you for the many comments and emails and to our producers, Debbie Builder, Paige Murray Besser, and Andreas Copes. Diana Martinez is our engineer. Joe and Isabella is our general manager from Studio 2 in WHY. I'm Cherry Gregg. I'm Avi Wolfman Errant. We will talk to you next week.